Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Get a Grip podcast. I am Shane Bacon. I say a lot of the time, this is a fun episode. I say it almost every episode, no matter the guest or the conversation. Let me just say, in 2023, this might be the most fun podcast I've recorded. Joel Damon, Gino Benelli, you know both of them from professional golf, and you probably know them a little bit from Full Swing. We talked a little bit about that off the top. But the two studs joined me to discuss something I probably wouldn't have pitched many golfers that play the sport professionally. I asked the two to put together a list of the five worst, worst golf shots that Joel has ever hit. Now, we also worked in decision-making from Gino, so we could lean a little bit on the caddy uh, versus the player. But, uh, yeah, the, they they said they do it. It was a lot of fun. We went back in time. It's a reminder that golfers don't forget anything. I mean, these guys are remembering yardages from seven, eight, nine years ago in the tournament. Uh, so enjoy this because you're not going to get this from many players that do this for a living. And uh, I am extremely thankful to both Gino and Joel for their time doing this. Before we get to the conversation, I just wanted to let you guys know I wrote a children's golf book. Joel Damon actually bought it. He said it was the only thing he bought for his child before they had said kid. It's called The Golfer's Zoo, and I wrote it a year ago. It's done really well. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't picked up a copy, I would urge you to do so. Go to back 9 com slash bacon, nine the number, not nine written out, back9press.com backslash bacon. It's also available on Amazon if you want to do it easier, but we'd prefer you to go to Back 9 Press. The Golfer Zoo, order copy. We have signed copies on the Back 9 Press website. It's a great gift for expected parents in your life, or if you've recently had a new kid or a first kid, you're a grandparent that listens to this podcast, and you know somebody that is in need of a baby present, Order in the Golfer Zoo. Get them a copy. They'll love it. You can get one signed with my name on it. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I've got to push today. Enjoy this conversation. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, Joel and Gino, two of the best people in all of pro golf, and this conversation was excellent. I just – hold on. <laughs> I – I wish everybody on this podcast could hear what just happened the last, I don't know, 90 seconds before we hit record, but uh, we'll leave that be. Uh, Gino and Joel are here. I appreciate you guys joining. Um, Joel, the mustache looks fantastic. I was just telling Gino uh, while you were doing what you were doing, uh, I'm going to be Luigi for Halloween, and I'm nice. I'm bypassing the fake mustache, and I'm going to go full, um, grow one out, and uh, and the family's going to go Mario characters. So I haven't had the like the the thick one does your wife get annoyed at that or no there's in between stage when you're growing it out that gets pretty pokey that she's not a fan of um but once it grows out and it gets softer she doesn't really mind i don't think she like is like showing me off like overly impressed with my (laughs) mustache but she also doesn't really complain about it so um it's it it works yeah i mean you get to a point in a relationship where i I mean like they're not looking at you to like, it's not, you're not like, you know, the flutter, the, the butterflies aren't fluttering out of their bodies anymore. It's like, are you okay with what I'm doing? Am I handling, you know, my parental side of things? Then we're good. That's exactly, I think we've been there for a long period of time. I live in the pokey phase. So my wife's constantly annoyed by me. 
Gino, I, I've been I've been having a kid lately where he'll go, oh, dad, ass, spiky, you know, where he doesn't like yeah. it. Like he's the one that complains about it. Um, yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? How long have y'all worked together? How many years has it been? Uh, we just finished our ninth season, I think. So this next season will be 10 okay. seasons. I think that's right. Eight years on tier two. Yeah, that sounds right. Everybody watched Full Swing. I mean, you guys are buddies that work together. Is that probably the accurate way to say it? Is that what you would say, Joel? Yeah, I I don't I feel like caddy is almost a derogatory term for like in some people because you're just like a you just carry heavy things and you get yelled at all the time. Where <laughs> I mean, Gino's truly my best friend who happens to be my caddy. Like it's a no, it's at times it's not all that much fun for him, but that's why he's my best friend and puts up with a lot of it. But uh, yeah, he's he's a friend, a lifelong friend, a brother long before or way before he's ever a caddy to me. That's for sure. Joel has. Like then, I mean, you guys, you said finished eight seasons together. I feel like the old way of doing things as a pro golfer was you went and found a quote unquote professional caddy, right? You, you made it on tour and then you found the guy that had done it for a number of years. And that was who you teamed up with. And it was very professional. It feels like that transition has happened where it's gone to more of the comfort side of things. I mean, I mean, you know, like Patrick Reed has a family member on the bag. Max has a buddy on the bag. You've got a buddy on the bag. Rory's got a buddy on the bag. Like, the more this has become a thing, uh, the more it makes sense. I mean, you're spending, what, five, six hours a day, five, six days a week together. You might as well have somebody out there that you really enjoy their time, right? A hundred percent, I think. Yeah, I mean, I during the golf season, I must spend more time with Gino. Especially tournament weeks, I a hundred percent more time with Gino than I do my wife. Um but with that, I think it's also the change in the data and how we get data. Like, I don't need a veteran caddy to tell me that uh, missing it left on the 10th hole is a bad idea. Like, one, we can figure that out. And two, all the shot link data we have, all the stuff, you can look at everything you need. You don't need, like, the, the veteran presence anymore. Now you need a buddy who will kick you in the butt or he'll, you know, pump you up. But you also, like, it's so much more fun to share those good times with someone you truly enjoy and a lot of times, honestly, going through the, 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 the crappy parts with a friend is way easier going through the best friend because uh, a lot of times you just fire the old guy because he didn't really mean anything to you to get someone else to carry the bag. So I think that's it's taking a big turn, and I, I think it's only going to get more and more. You're going to get younger caddies out there, and you're going to get uh, – they may not like know everything, but you don't really have to. You just kind of hang out with your buddy and make sure he's doing the right things. Gino, when Rory was kind of going through struggles last year, it seemed like an easy target was the caddy. You know, you you heard like people in my position saying, why doesn't Rory switch? Why doesn't he go to somebody else and, and, and change things up? When you hear those types of things as someone that is obviously both in that position as a caddy and also a buddy of your player, and you see somebody that's kind of a target of, you know, a, a, a buddy that's kind of getting targeted of, is he adequate for this job? What happens behind, you know, your eyeballs? Well, for me, what I always think is a lot of the caddy firings may not be necessarily the caddy's fault. or But I do think having a different person standing next to you when you're in a slump can change things. And I've always told Joel that. I said, look, like we've been in a little bit of a funk for a while. I'm like, if you want somebody else to be standing next to you just to change the mojo, I do understand that um, from a from a player standpoint. So um, I've always said I'm okay with it. Obviously, I never want to get fired. But to that regard, maybe if that changed 
oh, hey, uh, Rory started playing good again. Let's bring Harry back out because I enjoy being with him and I found this in my swing, whatever it may be. So um, I do think there can be a benefit to that, but it also just kind of shows that it might be just more of a mental thing, right? Gino, have you been fired before? Not in terms of caddying, but have you just been fired from a job? Ooh, I don't think I ever have been fired. He's been fired as a caddy many times. He just keeps showing up. Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe fires me all the time. <laughs> what, Joel? When you, if you, if and when you actually fire Gino, like, are you gonna have, like, what are you gonna have to do for him to realize that you're not bullshitting him? Is, I mean, like, are you gonna have to like get it like stamped like on your shirt, or like, are you gonna have to have your wife call him? Like, how are you gonna actually fire Gino if you actually fire Gino? Yeah, we actually have uh, we have a, a, an agreement, and it is I don't know if it's in the original email that he sent me or if it was it was more down the road, but uh, we agreed that we have to have pizza and beer together, and I have to fire him. Oh no! Oh, yeah, no. so I'm always leery anytime we go have pizza. I'm like, shit, this could be it. <laughs> when when Joel orders club soda, you're like, hell yes, <laughs> yeah. another week, baby, I'm good. Yeah. Club <laughs> soda actually might make me nervous. It's way more normal on the road if he just had a beer. That's true. Um, Gino, I wanted, before we get to what I wanted to talk to you guys about, I did want to ask a couple questions. Um, one, I wanted to talk about, I talked to you a little bit about this this season, but um, not on the podcast, this Netflix effect, the full swing effect. You know, as a caddy, your job is to not be in the limelight. Your job is to kind of sink behind your player and kind of be in the shadows and not be famous right I mean fluff was famously let go by tiger because he was becoming too famous right he was becoming too notable right. has it been strange for you being a notable person on the golf course after that you know series came out and people started to watch it yes it has been strange and I also understand that if well and I maybe this isn't true but this is the way I think of it in my head if I was to Joel was to ever fire me or you know Rory calls me next week he's like Gino I want you to caddy full-time I don't think my presence on social media can be what it is right now or in the spotlight because Joel is a special person to work for and he's just so laid back and accepting of all of this hoopla that goes with being on Netflix and it, and it works really well. Um, but I get a lot of shit from fellow caddies uh, for sure. Uh, really? Victor well, like, what, do they, what do they, what do they say? There, there's a lot of you know them coming up to me with their hats and a sharpie and be like, "Would you sign this for oh, me?" I'm like, good. you know that, and I'm just like, "Gosh, I know it's it's bad, but I can't. I I don't know what to do." And when people are people are so nice and they're so supportive of us, and I want to, you know, show that respect and sign if there's a kid that wants Gino's autograph or whatever it may be, uh, to give that to him. But people see that and definitely give me a hard time for it but also like what is gino supposed to do like people are asking him for his autograph he's gonna be like no i can't my boss tells me not to or like oh like this is not who he is the other thing that gino's done is really cool and i you can tell the story better than me but someone when he was really little he went to a golf tournament his first one maybe and someone asked him to sign his hat and now gino will have kids sign his hat so he wears a pxg hat with just these random kids names all over it and you can barely read them but he does it almost every week, and it's actually really cool. Yeah, I started uh, – if there's a little kid that asks for mine, I always try to reciprocate. I started trying to get white hats exclusively. Uh, that way you can see their name when they write it. Gino, from 2015 to 2023, like or I guess 2022 pre-Netflix, how many autographs do you think you signed total? Oh, pre-Netflix. Uh, I remember 
one in my history of caddying in Leon, Leon, Mexico is because they think they thought I was a player and I couldn't <laughs> communicate that I wasn't. Um, but since then, I would say uh, uh, hundreds. Okay. Yeah. Joel, I-, I wanted to ask you kind of the same question because, I mean, as a professional golfer and a player on the PGA Tour and a PGA Tour winner, like you're supposed to be notable. You're supposed to be famous. I know you're going to roll your eyes at the word famous, but that's a part of the job. For you personally, how's it been since the full swing thing? Because are you were you surprised at the popularity of it? I was, yeah. I mean, we didn't know what we were getting into. It's like we we were gonna have we didn't know we were gonna have our own episode. We didn't know any of this stuff. We just knew that a camera was around and there's mics on us, and um, you know, the producers and and some of the people that were around us regularly, like, hey, you know, your episode is gonna be great. Like, people are gonna love this. And it's like, well, okay, but like, what does that mean? And then, um, you know, we still didn't really have any idea and all of a sudden that came out that week of riv and um kind of the the next few weeks were were a lot and i remember being at the players and walking on 17 like to the t and getting like an ovation i was like oh this is different like this is cool but it's also weird so uh, i had a hard time balancing everything this last year i didn't do a good job of it uh having a, i had a kid three weeks prior to netflix as well so um the kid came rocked my world and then i became famous all of a sudden and uh golf became kind of a job and i it was like there was times like i would hide like and gino knows like i like run through weird doors and do things like like hide all over the place so i don't because there's times i just don't want to i'm not i'm not good at telling people no and i'm not used to it enough where you know those big guys can just walk past everyone because their schedule's planned and they have to go from a to b to c to d and then they have time for autographs I'm really bad at managing my time as it is. And all of a sudden I'm walking through people. I'm like, I just have a really hard time with that. So something that I'm, I'm working on trying to figure out, but um, world certainly exploded on me pretty quick and uh, starting to manage it all better now. I think. I mean, you, you have a kid, the, the show comes out, like a lot of things in your life are changing. It's interesting. You say the thing about the fame part of it, because when you're a young kid wanting to be a pro golfer, you want to be a pro golfer. I mean, that's, you want to, yeah. you want you to lean on your talent to the point where you can play for a living, but I don't really feel like young people ever think about being famous, like as golfers, maybe as musicians or actors or things like that. You think about the fame that might come with it. But when we were kids, it was like Tiger and Phil. And then, you know, I mean, Davis Love the Third could have walked sure. into an Applebee's and eaten dinner. Nobody would have cared. Right. It's just interesting now with all of this stuff coming your way was being famous all of a sudden. I mean, was it just extremely uncomfortable for you? It was, yeah, because I was previously I was famous when I wanted to be famous. So I put out a funny post on social media. Like that's like it was sat and we thought about it and we laughed about it. And it was like, okay, I'm gonna put this out here. We're gonna do this. It was on my terms. And now I'm on everyone else's terms, you know. And I think the other times I'm, you know, wherever you put me on the famous list of tour, like if you look, I'm the most famous player who's done the least, like by far. So all of those guys have mostly got famous because they're good at golf. I, you know, they've won majors. They've won, you know, they've done all this stuff. Like I got famous because I was on a TV show and I was kind of funny on social media. So, and that happened like overnight. Uh, so where I think if you're winning and you climb the ranks and all of a sudden you become a star on tour, that's through the golf. Like you can handle those things a lot better and you prepare yourself for it as you like kind of level up. I say, I just like hit the top floor one morning and I was like, I'm going to the penthouse of this thing. And what do I do when I get there? So, uh, I <laughs> Does think my for key that... card work. Like, <laughs> right. like, like, I don't know. Do I have to say anything analogy. to anybody? <laughs> I was like, I don't know where I'm going and what's up here, but here I come. And all of a sudden, <laughs> like, 
there's times up there you don't really want to be up there anymore. You want to go back down to the fifth floor, like where your friends are. And you're like, well, that's not where you're at right now. So I think that uh, the, the, the level of it was, uh, yeah, it was just kind of overnight basically. And it didn't correspond with my golf. Uh, at all actually so that was like kind of a, a difficult situation for me I think there was times I just wanted to hide and I mean I remember I would just I told Gino multiple times like can I just miss this cut like and shoot 75 on Friday afternoon alone without having people around like rooting for me I'm like let me just do this and pout and leave and I don't have to deal with any of this stuff um and so that that's hard for me I think but I'm working on that Gino you're one of the nicest people that I've met especially in golf for sure when Joel becomes famous overnight, you become famous overnight. You have all these people watching now. With that comes people yelling, people being rude, people, you know, maybe drinking too much and 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 screaming at Joel. I mean, Joel, you have a certain fan base that's going to follow you, and those are going to be the 30-year-old bro- bros that want to root for you, which is nice, but they can also get annoying. Gino, was it weird to kind of have to be that asshole caddy at times that yelled at people i will say this that the amount of positive energy i think because of the episode came off of joel kind of being a self-deprecating person people were extra nice to joel since its release i don't okay remember ever anyone getting out of hand with like joel you suck now i will say before it came out when sports betting and stuff especially in new york out there in long island and stuff People are mean out there, but, uh, but everyone has been so supportive and so positive that I don't remember an instance of that happening. Um, I've had to ask some crowds to, you know, just be quiet because there is way more people around us, but, uh, but nothing really negative. Well, speaking of that, uh, speaking of negative, <laughs> uh, Joel, so excited about this. I, you listen, <laughs> let me just say, first of all, thank you because you're the only professional golfer, athlete, anybody that I would even ask to do this. And <laughs> I, I figured what I asked, you'd say yes, which I appreciate. Today's episode, Joel and Gino, thank you both, are going to dive into not a necessarily positive conversation. I have asked you guys to put together a list of the five worst shots or worst decisions of Joel's career. Now we were going to, we were going to kind of make this a 2023 thing, but Gino, I know you asked to expand it into Joel's career and Gino, we're going to lean heavily on you for this because Joel apparently doesn't remember a lot of the golf shots he's hit in his career. Joel, you're not a guy like golfers remember shit all the time. You're not a guy that remembers things like that. I assure you, I'll remember everything in detail that Gino mentions and I'll remember more than him probably in the moment or the way that I okay. want to remember it. But like, I don't want to say, like, I don't, I was like trying to think of the, like the best shots I hit and Gina will come up with those. Like, Oh, these are good. Like I, I kind of went back through to think about it and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to lean on Gino for this. Cause he's great. I do have one in my head that um, is pretty funny to me, but uh, obviously through the last eight years, we've hit some awful. And I say we, because the caddy's a part of the bad shots too um, <laughs> and the bad decisions. But uh, there was, there was a couple early on in our web career that were one were horrific or horrific decisions that were uh class. Golly, this makes me so happy because I wrote a list of five <laughs> and I would be curious to uh, see, I, I bet one of them is on there. Now to be fair to Joel, I didn't just do a bad shot. There, there may be one or two on this list that were bad decision or bad uh, judgment on my part. And the shot itself may have been good but the result was not because of my caddying so 
I feel like if, if I'm going to dish it, I have to take it a little bit too. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be, I'm, I'm excited to see where these go. Gino, have you made, speaking of that, I mean, like early in your caddy days, like I caddied for a friend of mine on the LPGA tour one time. And I remember I added a number and not subtracted it and luckily called her off the shot. Have you had a moment where it was just Joel hits it and you're like, yo, that's 40 short or that's 40 long. Yes. At least um, two, twice a year. I would year. say probably, I, w- <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to say that often, but I've, I've had a lot of them. <laughs> I remember this one isn't on my list, but I remember in Vegas a couple years ago, there was a like a 110 middle and a 110 front number, and I added it to the middle number. And as soon as he hits it, he's like, that's going a long ways. And it lands like in a spot, the only spot you can. And he goes, well, there's a bad number. And I was like, uh, oh, yeah, it was. So it's on me. Yeah, that was true. on me. Uh, well, Gino, kick us off here. Uh, let's start with your fifth, fifth worst shot of Joel's career. <laughs> this one is a combination of a, of a bad shot and a mistake. It's the final round oh. of the Byron Nelson. We're paired with Dustin Johnson. Good one. On the 17th hole at Las Colinas down the hill. And what year is this? This would have been our uh, May May of seventeen, our rookie year. Yep, rookie. I knew it was a rookie year on tour. So Joel's playing phenomenal golf. We had missed every cut all year. We get into Byron. Joel's playing great. He's got the uh, claw putter grip in play for the first time ever, and he's making some putts. And we're probably in I don't know fifth or seventh place or something with two holes left to play. And Austin and I were making fun of Dustin all day long and we were just kind of being chummy and getting along great and having some we walk up i think there was a long wait on number 17 just downhill par three and we walked off over and we both stepped off the yardage and he did it out loud and he said you know whatever the number is plus this and he said the number and i walked back to joel and they had the honor on that particular hole and i remember dustin just airmailed the green and i was like hmm that's weird and so I'm still with nothing ever dawned on me. Well, when Joel gets nervous or at the time, Joel's tendency is, you know, a big head drop and his hands would get out in front and it would almost hit like a flop shot and he'd come out way short and way right. Well, we're looking really far left of this pin and this ball comes out and, but it's right at the pin. And, you know, when he first hit it, I thought it was in the water, but it lands by the pin and maybe rolls to 20, 25 feet it was a great shot and we get done and uh celebrating an awesome week our best finish ever our first you know six digit paycheck and one of my caddy buddy buddies goes what'd you guys hit on 17 i'm like oh six iron he goes six iron it was only 162 or something i'm like no it was 184 <laughs> and we austin and i both gave such bad numbers so it was a terrible shot but it needed to be to counteract that terrible number that I had also given him. Joel, do you remember that one? I do. Uh, I don't recall the shot being as bad as, as he's doing it, but in the moment, uh, I mean, it definitely came out a little weak right. I'm known for weak rights when I'm under the gun, but uh, survived that one, thankfully. Maybe that was just Gino's, you know, he just knew it as a caddy. It was just first time, like, <laughs> just he just got, <laughs> instinct took instinct. over. Uh, I do... Remember, yeah, I played great that day. I, I had a terrible break on 18, made bogey, but still finished T9 and ran to the airport real quick with my wife to fly out. And we had, I mean, we, I think it was our second cut made on tour that year, maybe third cut on tour that year. 
and we had like credit card debt racking up and like wife and I were like, whatever. We cried in the airport when we saw the the text of how much money we made. And it was like, I think we made $205,000. And my wife was like, yeah. Oh my God, we can pay off our credit card debt and we're not broke anymore. Like this is the first sign of like, maybe I can do this PJ tour thing. So uh, thankfully I didn't make double and rinse it in the water there. <laughs> Was that was that like the first shocking financial moment of of your life? Yeah. Was that like the first time it hits you that if you play well in this, it's life changing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, I I played well on the on the Corn Ferry tour to get my tour card, but I never had a check like that. I mean, you see that much money is like that's just ridiculous amounts, and um, that was the time I'm like it, that. Honestly, that kind of gets you addicted to it, and you're like, okay, like I want more of this. How do we do this? Yeah. And also, yeah, just maybe hit kind of flop shot six irons. That's hey. like the perfect way to do it. <laughs> Gino, that's a that's a great start. You know what you did there? You started with a negative, but it ended up somehow being a positive, and I appreciate that. I'm assuming some of these aren't going to be as positive. Correct. Um, so I'll let you I'll let you lean into number four. Yep. So we go number four, and I feel like uh, maybe four three two can all be interchanged, but uh, <laughs> number four was just straight up maybe the worst shot I've ever seen. And I am going back wow. to the web.com tour days. We're playing Thanksgiving point on, I think it's the 11th hole. Oh, you are. You're talking about Utah, the par five at Utah. Yeah. Joel hits it's straight downwind. The ball goes forever there. And all you have to do is hit it in the air. And we're going to knock it on in two and have a look at Eagle and for sure make birdie. He hit four feet behind the golf ball. And there's this little meaningless pond right in front of the tee box. It might be like 90 yards to cover it. And we hit it right in the middle of his lake. And I was just like, <laughs> what was that? And he looked at me and he goes, I do that at least once a year. And I'm like, <laughs> do it on a hole without a pond in front of the tee. <laughs> right? That one was, uh, there's no bad decision in there. But uh, yeah, that uh, that one stood out to me. Joel, you'll hit the chunk driver every now and again? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, given it's this was eight years ago, it was our rookie year um, on the Corn Ferry. I think, I mean, Gino started in March of that year, so I'm going to say that was our 12th to 15th event together probably. Yeah, that's probably And I had played a million times with Gino growing up, but it's still like we hadn't played together a ton because we hadn't lived close to each other. But, I mean, I had this point where I was trying to, like, launch it high. Obviously, you kind of lean back on it. And the club gets really under and you're trying to hit up and all of a sudden you drop kick. And a lot of times the drop kicks actually work out because you kind of bounce into it and knuckles out there. It's fine. But this, this was a real drop kick. This one, um, <laughs> this one, this one was bad. And uh, it's funny. I'm glad you remember that. Cause I, yeah. and it was so bad that Gino didn't caddy at that event the following year because he was so afraid of the pond on 11. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't, I don't want to see that shot again. Joel, what did you, did you just re-tee? What would you do? I don't know if we draw. I think we could go like 30 yards in front and hit a three-wood or I just re-teed it. I don't actually know what happened. I was, I, it was so bad. I honestly don't either. It was, uh, I, I know we had a short week that, that week. That was a quick yeah. one. Yeah. I was, Joel, I was playing um, Connecticut Open a couple of years ago and playing this kind of hard golf course. And, you know, they, up here in the Northeast, like even a Connecticut Open, they, toughen the golf course up they'll grow the rough up they'll you know firm the greens i hadn't been played a lot of golf sure i was one under through i think six and got to seven hit it in the fairway i saw a leaderboard and i was like on like on the leaderboard at one under i mean three under was like leading yep. and exact same situation but a different shot the only hole on the entire golf course where there was out of bounds left and i just cold shank it out of bounds and it's like 
any other hole you hit that shank like you can go find it you can hit right. it again you can maybe make five like you can get away with it not on this hole and same thing it's like if you call if you like cold top the driver on any other hole there it's like yeah it goes 180 like, I'll <laughs> right. It out. right exactly yeah you knock the next one up around the green it'd be fine yeah. but that hole was that hole wasn't wasn't prepared for what i had coming for it uh do you yeah. do you do something different now when you're trying to launch it up in the air that that, that avoids the the you know four inch divot yeah i have i have a caddy next to me that when i set up to it he goes do not hit a draw do not hit a draw <laughs> joel likes the look of the draw and uh it does it doesn't actually come out that way the way we hope very often so yeah it's you know like the guy with the big legs wants the big upper body and the guy with the bigger upper body wants the big legs right it's like yeah. you hit this beautiful yeah. cut but hey i'd love to hit the draw if that's possible yeah um gino that was a great one i appreciate you going back in time for the uh 90 rt shot from joel damon what's number three number three um this one was uh through no fault of joel and this wasn't necessarily a bad shot but uh, boise open joel is on a heater i don't remember what we were at but he's maybe gonna shoot 29 on the front going into the what year's back this? nine this was uh this would have been 15 was that our uh, was that rookie i was thinking it might have been second season it was rookie year as well no okay. it was rookie year as well and he's cruising, and we get up there, and it's the straight uphill. It might be number eight. It's 18 now. It's 18, yeah. We started on the back that day. And given Boise is my kind of home event because we live five hours north, so I had 20 or 30 people, and Gino knew a bunch of people from junior golf and whatever. So we had a big gallery for us, and, uh, yeah, I was – I might have been – no, it had to be Friday, but I was I was cooking. I was – and I knew that – I played junior event golf there, and I won multiple times that event, and so – I felt like this was it until Gino happened. We're chugging up the leaderboard, <laughs> and it's a front pin, and I give Joel his number, and I, I remember he had a pitching wedge, and it was, like, right at it. And I had birdied five holes in a row coming into this hole as well. Yeah, I mean, just on an absolute heater, and he hits it right at the pin. I'm like, boy, that looked a little far, but it's got to be close. And we get up there, and he is on the maybe on the back fringe, like 75 feet down this tier that breaks 15 feet. And he's like, how's this ball here? And, you know, my face just goes flush. And I'm like, I added instead of subtracted off of sprinkler head. And I gave him 20 yards too much, you know, for especially on a guy that's just on a run right now. We're trying to earn a PGA Tour card. And all of his family's here and i'm like he can't even two putt this it was so brutal and he i thankfully he hit a decent lag down there and then able slid it in for par that uh took a little steam out of our engine there but uh i did i did birdie the next three holes in a row after that though yeah maybe uh we just needed to settle down with the par i, I was like i was like dude you this is i flagged it as well obviously and i was like i'm I was just going to make nine in a row. That was going to be a new Corn Ferry <laughs> yeah. record. And then you gave me that number. <laughs> right. I was going to say, you're, right. you're like, you're literally like going to be Anthony Kim yeah. Augusta. And then, uh, and then Gino happened. Oh, I know that, uh, you know, obviously I've given, uh, several bad numbers in my day. And to my defense, Joel doesn't pack a yardage book or check numbers himself. <laughs> so I am flying solo yeah. out there. So it is bound to happen. I know a lot of guys catch each other making math errors. So my, uh, my once a year, I, people would be like really that's a lot but i don't know that's as many numbers as you do but so i have one i don't before we go into uh, whatever he's on i have one that's similar to this but it's also a rookie year on the corn ferry tour to me there's a lot of throwbacks here but man uh gino this might have been his third or fourth event on the back uh 
and we're playing at Greenville, the Pro-Am event in Greenville, South Carolina, the BMW. And we're playing one of the golf courses. I don't know what day it is. Uh, and I play like four or five holes in a row, couple, I think one or two under, and it's going fine. All of a sudden, we get to the fifth hole, maybe sixth hole. <laughs> I, I didn't know where you were going for a minute. Now I do. And all of a sudden, it's like uh, he tells me I have 130 yards, whatever, and, you know, the pin's 25 on. And I look, I'm like, Gino, I think that's a front pin. Like, I can see. We're not that far, and I can just see where it's at. I'm like, this is wrong. He goes back through. He used the wrong pin sheet, the wrong hole for five consecutive holes. <laughs> I did. I did do that. Does that. It was like Thursday's. It was like Thursday's pin sheet or something. Well, no, I uh, we went for it on a par five, and I didn't cross <laughs> off the hole, okay. so I just kept using the previous <laughs> holes pin location. No, this is this is absolutely wrong, Gino. You're like, no, I'm dialed here. Look at it. So I mean, he's like, we're on hole seven, not five or six. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> but he was playing great. I think he was two under in that stretch. Joe, what does that say? Like when when that stuff happens, like you I mean, you guys spend countless hours working on your game with Trackman and all this stuff to like dial in your numbers. And then it's like, you go on a heater and you're using the wrong pin sheet. Does that sometimes make you go, <laughs> should I be spending this much time on all that? I know that one of them was like a downhill part three and like, it was a four iron. I hit like, I don't know. I thought I hit a great four iron. It went to like 10 feet, but the number was 20 yards off, but like, because of where the pin was, but I don't know. I just, <laughs> i remember that too i was like this is just what we this is just what it is so uh also you know then i should i could carry yours book and some some weeks i do if i don't know the course that well or i'll just at least carry a pin sheet but uh juno is also very green uh those first couple events but uh and i think and also our defense that was a course it was a three course rotation we didn't play it in the practice round so we were just kind of going in blind and so i didn't know if the pin was right or wrong and but it, I think it actually worked out okay. Joel, you're a you're yeah. a pretty relaxed professional golfer. Can I just get your thoughts on practice rounds in general? Can you just give me like your personal thoughts on practice rounds? Awful, just terrible. If they're the worst thing in history, like especially now, this is coming into my eighth year. So like a lot of these courses, like you can play. I can play nine holes in two hours. I can check out a couple things. Okay, the ball's bouncing this way. I already. The other deal is it drives me nuts is all the data we have going back to shot link and stuff. You know exactly where the pins have been the last five years. They maybe move one or two pins. Okay. Also, you know exactly what club you're hitting off every tee based on if it's firm, you hit a three. What if it's this, you hit driver and you have a driving tree for you and you have all the stats. There's no more questioning anything. You don't have to hit multiple balls all the time anymore. You don't have to run around the green nine times. It's like, okay, it's back to front here. Okay. This is going to be a little fast. Like we don't have, like it's so simple to play a practice round and all of these extra shots you're hitting, like you can hit a bunker shot on the practice screen. You can hit like, just go play golf, look at a couple pins, maybe look at a couple different tee shots and you can be done in two fifteen, two thirty. I would actually take two thirty for nine holes every time. That'd be fine. But when it turns into three plus hours, like I just, I can't stand them. Joel, I, I, I played in the U S amateur this year. First time I've ever played in something like that. Mm -hmm. And I had a college coach send me, and again, like I'm in the golf space, like I've been in it for a long time. You'd think these would be the things that maybe I would be aware of, but I got right. the email of the course breakdown. And I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was enlightening. Now, also, I think sometimes it's maybe that whatever paralysis by analysis, where sometimes it's like so much information that you can lean a little on it. And I'm also not 
22 years old and that's the only thing I've ever known, but to look through every single hole at these golf courses and basically the, the data telling you don't hit driver here or send it all day, it was crazy that not only I'm just finding this out that this exists, but understanding that you guys have access to this on a week to week basis, where if you want all the information on a golf course that you can muster in your brain, it's available for you. A hundred percent. So you could go play every tour event with the information we're given and play it blind and know almost everything you need to know. Like the lines off the tee, you already have what you need. They, they, you need to know how fast the greens are rolling and are they going to spin or how, like how firm and fast they are. That's all you need to know. If you, you could blindly go play any golf course on tour with all the information we have and it wouldn't really change much. It'd almost be better because you just go, here's my line. I'm hitting it at this spot with a driver. This is it. We don't need to know that there's your blocked out by a tree down there because yeah. we're not good enough to avoid a tree 300 plus yards away that overhangs, like either hit it or don't like this is it's it's golf is super hard at times, but we also make it way too hard. It should just be hit it forward and go find it and hit it again. Gino, I, I, it sounds like no practice rounds in 24. What an exciting, what an exciting development for you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this upcoming season. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> One thing that uh, has changed in practice rounds that has been awesome is, uh, well, we go to this nine-hole Pro-Am rotation on right. Wednesday, so we're typically only playing nine on Tuesday, and then we play nine again in the Pro-Am on Wednesday, which does make life so much better because those Tuesdays not having to slug through 18 holes on Wednesday is tough going into obviously four day tournament days isn't the most fun you know I think you're on number two on your list is that yeah, right we're down to number two um top two big this is a big moment we're starting to get into a little bit bigger venues with number two and one some uh bad uh I love this bad decisions and shots <laughs> so this one goes back uh to Liberty National uh, I think it was, this, we're going to call this maybe like 2021. And I believe it's whole f is for the par three, Joel, kind of behind the driving range back up. One, two, three, four. Yeah. Four's four's the par three up the hill. We were, we were playing nice and we were just outside the top 70 coming in there and, or whatever it was to get into the next event. Okay. And we were at, at the time, I, I want to call this Saturday. We're in a good spot. He's been playing solid. And it was just kind of a stock seven iron up the hill and hit it. And it was a, one of those, one a, a mid iron that I've never seen Joel hit before. And I've never seen him hit since, but just cold fat right in the middle of a pond. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, good try. <laughs> you know? Didn't, didn't have the carry on that in my yardage book. Yeah. I, uh, it was one of those where I'm reaching in the bag the minute that I hear the sound. Cause I'm like, Oh, where are we going to drop this? I didn't, I didn't get the number from the drop zone here. I didn't think that was needed. Joel, do you remember that swing? Uh, I remember vividly. There was also actually a large discussion uh, post this with, cause I had my swing coach Rob there and then John Rehorn, who's always been a good friend of mine. He's the Oregon state head coach. He was out watching that week and uh, I was playing really well. I think it was around top 10 at the time. And, um, kind of cruising but what happened was i believe it was a back left pin and it's a narrow area and gino's like hit it 20 feet short right and hit it with seven iron and i had six in my hand because i was like oh, i'm attacking this back left pin i'm really good at golf right now and gino's like man you shouldn't go back there it's tough and if you miss it you can't get up and down just hits the middle of the green wrong is dead and i was like and so it was one of those where i just i was like fine i know he's right like so he talked me in it. So I just grabbed the seven iron and walked in and hit the ball. So the 
I didn't like reset. I didn't go through my routine. I was just kind of like pissed off that he was making me lay up on a part of three to 20 feet. Like this is lame. And then and you I, really laid I, up. I laid up on it. So I, uh, take that Gino. Yeah. That was, that was, ah. that's what I should hit six iron, huh? So, uh, yeah, that was would six iron with that contact got over the lake. Do you think Gino or it's still been in there? <laughs> no. It would have still been in there. We'd have still been in there. I think it was 180 plus part three and the thing, what maybe flew a hundred yards. Yeah. I don't know. It was like, yeah. It wasn't like I chunked it into the hill in front of the water. This is like late sod on it. Yeah, it was uh, it was a legit chunk. And then I missed uh, making top seventy by two shots that year. Oh, that's uh, that's fun. Good. See this podcast, just positive memories, <laughs> preparing ourselves, preparing ourselves Full for next season. Joel's gonna walk away and it's like, why the hell did I do this? This was ridiculous. Um, I, you know what though, we see a lot of good golf from you pros all the time on TV. Just a good reminder that sometimes it doesn't come out of the window you're hoping for, you know? Yeah, yeah sometimes you hit the, the wrong balls, as they say. Sometimes the earth gets in the way. That would have, like, hit the window frame. The amount that we could go through is, is incredible, actually. This is really, this is actually really fun. I'm having a great time. Uh, Gino, I, I mean, I, I don't own a drum. I don't think I would, even if I did, I could drum roll. But I am I, I was I was excited to see what you'd come up with with number one. Now my question is this. Do you think Joel knows what number one is? Um, I think he'll agree with me after he hears it, but he probably wouldn't say it because it's a it's a combination of bad shot and bad decision that had a outcome that did not make us happy. Nice. Like George Clooney perfect storm situation here. Yeah. So it's actually really funny that you have this in the background of you over your right shoulder there back on your wall. It looks like a US Open at Pebble Beach. That is it. 2019. Is that the year? I believe it was. Oh, Joel. All right. Hold on. Stop real quick, Gino. You know, Joel, nothing coming to mind right now. Blank slate, it looks like. Unless I, uh, there's a car accident on the way to the golf course. So I had to like rush around to get to my tee time back on 10, but I'm not talking about that. I'm guessing that he made me hit it out of the rocks on 18, but I was already missing the cut. So I don't know what that is. I don't know where you're going with this one. Go ahead, Gina. So uh, we started the U uh, S open playing with Colin Morikawa and Aaron wise that year. And we started on the back nine bogey, 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 I believe. And it was just kind of like, well, that was a sucky week because it was Joel's dream to play in a U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. That's all he wanted. Yeah. And he actually. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> He's three over through three. And it's like, where that's it. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, oh, yeah. That was long gone. If, if Joel has ever thrown three over through three at any event, the event is over. <laughs> Mo is gone. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Um, it's true. So we uh, I think we ended up shooting three over on the day. So we kind of righted the ship. and. Um, coming to the next day, I think Joel Joel knew <laughs> that he could make the cut. You know, it's projected at three over. And he's like, oh, I can. And the pebble wasn't. I mean, it was playing tough, but wasn't brutal. So we're starting on hole number one, <laughs> and we get up there, and Joel Joel hits driver up a gnat's ass. Excuse the language, and he's and we have never hit driver on number one in the history of ever. It's always just hybrid out there left. It's once in a while maybe a three wood, and he's like. What do you think if I just hit driver up there past everything just short of the green? I'm like, yeah, do it, rip it. Which there is nowhere to hit a driver Correct. on number one for Correct. Joel Damon, but we did it anyways. On top of that, it was a little holdy steery, probably. And we never found that golf ball. Oh, so was it right? 
Yeah, I th- I, we don't know if it stayed in a tree <laughs> or hit a tree and kicked there. out of bounds. It still exists somewhere. And we went back. Pretty to- sure it got into the condos over there. It was it was right and moving right, and it wasn't. Uh, I mean, I was hoping for for two tee box, but um, that wasn't the case. It was gone. We end up starting our day three over through one instead of three over through three. And what was the what was the provisional swing? Was that hybrid? You know, that's a good question, Joel. Do you remember? Because I I think it was. I think we clubbed down. <laughs> I think at that point I was like, I'm not gonna embarrass myself. I'm just gonna lay one up out there. Then I think I hit the next one and yeah, it was ugly. Yeah, and then uh, we end up missing the cut by three. I think it was like we just of course hit a hybrid out there in the fairway and an eight iron onto the green and. You know, we got ourselves a weekend tea time at Pebble Beach in the U.S. Open, which that one was just, it felt so stupid. Rob, Joel's coach, is like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, I don't really know. It sounded like a great idea. <laughs> Joel, when you when you throw those things at Gino, like you're like, hey, I'm going to hit driver on one at Pebble. Is Gino always agreeable? Is he like, you're starting the day, it's a U.S. Open. Like, if you remember, I remember 19, like, you could get at those first seven holes. Like, you know, it was very scorable through seven. And so, in theory, you know, if you don't yeah. get driver at one, you might have a, have a chance to do something. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's not. He's actually, like, the least agreeable human ever. He's so conservative. He's so boring. He's actually super lame out there. And I'm like, dude, I can hit this shot. And he's like, dude, just chip it out. And he just, like, walks away. There was times, actually, that he has given – my driver to another caddy and he's run away down the fairway or no, he's given less than driver to a caddy and he's run away down. Yeah. the fairway. It's a 10 cup situation. Remember that one? I, I do. You made birdie on that hole. Yeah. I would, I would have made Eagle if you would have gave me driver. Where was that? That was at Sherwood out in uh, LA. You just, you gave him like, you gave him less than driver. Yeah. It was this driver that there's this par five where again, there's nowhere to hit it. I think it was 16. Yeah. 15 or 16. Exactly. Dog leg right. And I was like, I'll just hit a chip cut driver down there right to the end. And then I'll knock one on the green and make an eagle. <laughs> yeah. Instead, I, I think it was, it's just kind of a hybrid. And then it's not even really a hole where you can go at it. You have to be in the right spot in the fairway in order to get between the trees even. And I felt like it was, to me, it was just a three shot par five. And- so I show up on the tee box cause I'm playing well. And, uh, Mikey Bester, who's Streelman's caddy, uh, I was like kind of waiting for a minute and he just like hands me a club and I'm like, where's Gino? And he, I look and he's a hundred plus yards away. He doesn't want anything to do with this. Uh, yep. I was going to say we finished birdie, birdie, birdie in that event for a T eight finish. Yeah. And I would have finished Eagle birdie, birdie if I would have hit a driver. <laughs> but, but one better. Joel, you mentioned you had a couple that you were thinking about a couple of swings. Did Gino mention them? Or and if he didn't, can you uh can you enlighten us? Uh, I mean, there's plenty. So I I think about a lot of putts that I missed, but uh, that's not like here or there. Um, that just happens. But I did play with a bent putter this year at John Deere, and then the next week I played when I got my putter fixed. I almost won the golf tournament, so that that would have been a good thing to have. That was another. And I'm like, this is putter's bent, but whatever. I'll just keep playing it. Um, so that's normal. PJ Tour pros do it all the time. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Wait, did you bend it like i mean you're not a you're not a club th- are you a club thrower no i'm not but i, I was at we were at a charity outing on monday uh the monday of john deere and i had a couple beers and i made a bet with this guy and i had like a 70 footer that was kind of straight and it lipped out and i chucked the putter in the air and i was going to catch it then i looked up and the putter was way higher than i wanted it to be and i panicked and it hit the ground and i didn't pay anything you know i didn't and all of a sudden i'm like man i'm missing a lot of these putts like left like these short ones these are really bad uh 
so it turns out it was actually bent um and that was that was really fun but uh there was one uh corn fairy days again i'm going back here but uh gino told me we're we're in the hunt i think we're actually leading the golf tournament and going in the back nine and on the 12th hole in louisiana it's par five and gino's like if you hit three when it goes over the green out of bounds i'm like no it's fine i'll just like uh i don't believe like hybrid will get there well, I hit it. Uh, I hit a three wood, and it went over the green uh, into the road, out of bounds. And then um, I believe the hybrid worked out on the next one. I lost that tournament by one or two. Yeah, I do. That was uh, oh, yeah. That one was <laughs> uh, that one felt. Oh boy, I still still makes me sick. <laughs> See, this is why we did this, Gino. It's, it's just we wanted you to leave this conversation just like pacing now around your house. Like what what is what did ha- what happened with my life? How did I get to this position? Oh man. You know, it's uh, looking back at all the times. These are these are funny, but you hit a shot like we've we've done this on so many short wedges to where we'll like airmail a green or come up short of a green. And he'd be like, "Are you sure that number was right?" And I'll check and be like, "Yeah, it was." <laughs> he's like, "I just don't know how far my wedges go." <laughs> Way easier to blame you. <laughs> so here's another good one. Uh, speaking of wedges, so we're playing Canada uh back in 18 or probably 18 ish maybe 19 oh yes and uh i'm playing well uh i think i actually finished top 10 that week there's this two great stories from this week but uh one i think we're on the first hole i hit it down the middle and have a wedge and it was our 10th hole but hole number one yeah uh flag it over the green yeah hit it over the green we're at glen abbey and i'm like and i i'm like that's a bad number and uh Gino like did whatever and all of a sudden didn't you I hand the club back to you and you looked down at it? So he so he uh yeah, Joel we had one twenty five and his gap wedge goes one twenty five and he flags it, flies it over the green into the rough. And he goes, There's a bad number and he kind of threw it at me and walked away and I'm like, No way that's a bad number. So I step it off and I get maybe one twenty four. I'm like, it could have been a half a yard off but it wasn't 10. And he goes, there's no way I can hit a gap wedge 140 yards. And I'm like, I don't know. And I, I looked down at the club and he had pitching wedge in his hand. And you're like, you know what? Two things can be true here, Joel. <laughs> yes. It was not a bad number. I'm like, you can't hit gap wedge that far. I never, what, I mean, obvious, it was an obvious gap wedge. It must've just pulled the wrong one out of the bag. And I obviously didn't notice. And, and then, I also did give him a bad number like three holes later and flew the green. Yes, he did. <laughs> what a run, Gino. Uh, what a run. Yeah, it was – I mean, we laughed at that second one. Oh, God. Unbelievable. Um, all right, so since we're, we've talked a little negative, and, Gino, I didn't have you prepare this, but I'm assuming you probably have something in the brain. Before we say goodbye, what's the best shot you've ever seen Joel hit? What's the best singular swing Joel Damon has ever made? Okay, by the way, before you do that, since we're talking about negative things, I've never, Joel, I don't think I've ever told you this story, but 2018 U.S. Open, okay, was Shinnecock. You were in the field. Is that right? Was that, you were, so it must have been 2019. It must have been Pebble. Yep. And we had a production meeting, and this was like the second big time job I'd had with Fox. Like, I was co-hosting this thing, and, you know, we had our own booth. Yeah. We're in it. We had, we, we had these production meetings where we would have pronunciation guides come in and help us through some of the names that people might not know and we got to your name and i mean it's joe buck and brad faxon and curtis strange and paul azinger and our boss is like everybody's in this room and i and they were go through and, and the the kid that did the pronunciations like joel damon and i went i think it's Damon. 
in front of all these people. Nice. Like, I think it's Domin, and he's like, no, it's Damon. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm almost 100% certain it's Domin. And so everybody's like noting on their thing, <laughs> Domin, whatever. And we're, we're, we're breaking the meeting. And I was like, mm-hmm. I really would hate it if I'm wrong here. And so I called, I called Homa and he answered as everybody's leaving the meeting. I'm like, yeah. how do you say Joel's last name? <laughs> he goes, Damon. And I was like, hold on everybody. <laughs> One minute. <laughs> The only input I had in this meeting was incorrect. I was o- literally O for one. It's Damon. So uh, that's my. He does get Domin a lot, though. It looks like Domin. That's fair. That's my miss. That's my miss club. But Gino, hit us with the the best the best uh, Domin slash Damon swing. Oh, uh, that's funny. So I think uh, this is perfect timing because I could see in my monitor that the little one's starting to rustle. So. I think uh, Joel would agree with me in this. Um, we are going to Dominican Republic, um, the site of mm. our maiden victory. And on the 72nd hole, the wind is blowing 50 miles an hour. And the 18th hole there might be one of the craziest holes in professional golf. And we have to hit it so far left to avoid the ocean. And uh, I forget our exact number, what it was uh, in there. but 192. Thank you. Uh, 192, Joel says. <laughs> and it is blowing so hard in off the left. And I remember to that pin, you can hit it over the green, and it was fine. Like, it's a flat chip. And I remember telling Joel, I was like, it's a four iron. Just try to hit it over the green. I don't think you can but try to. And this thing came out, it started left of the green, which it needed to because the crosswind was so strong and it was so pure and high and beautiful. And it, you know, it curved 25 yards into the wind and landed just inside the back fringe a little bit. And we had, when it, when it came off, I almost started crying because I knew we won the golf tournament. And then fast forward 30 (laughs) seconds and Rafa Campos, almost hits an even better shot and almost makes birdie to tie us and force a playoff. But I, as soon as he hit it, I remember thinking that is absolutely perfect and got ourselves a dub out of the deal. That was probably the best under the gun for sure. I mean, with the hand shaking and and then the moment, but I've, I mean, I've, I've hit some shots as all every player has or good player has, but I've hit some through some trees before that were actually skill and not dumb luck. And I've, I used to be able to hook a lob wedge, maybe more than anyone on planet earth. And I pulled, pulled some of those off back in the day that were pretty cool. But um, I always look at gaps in the trees and Gino's like, man, you can't do that. And I'm like, I think I know my trads pretty well. Um, and I have, they hit the tree sometimes too, but sometimes it I remember the first time those. he asked me, he's like looking through a gap in the trees early on with me, Caddy. He's like, no, I can hit that. And I'm like, buddy, there's no way you can hit it through this little gap. And he did for a while like thread him through and it almost got to the point where I allowed him to do it too much. So he, uh, he is, that's maybe that's when the conservative started. It's like, no, no, Hey, we hit enough branches here. I will say the more difficult (laughs) the golf shot, the better Joel is at it. He locks into this like ultimate focus and like, I don't know, try. And he pulls it off a high percentage of the time, which is pretty wild and special. Gino, if there was a, like the old skills challenge, if there was a new skills challenge and one of the skills was hitting like a four iron out of the complete shit, would you have money on Joel? Um, if you, if he can get to the back of the ball, he doesn't quite have the torque to uh, get through some of the hay that a lot of the guys do. But uh, 
if the ball's above or below his feet or in a bush, as long as he could put the club on the back of the ball, I would say, uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's a skill you learn when you miss fairways. That's something I've learned in my life. That's uh, that's where where it comes from. It's like growing up in tree line Washington. I mean, I used to drive her through the trees all the time when I was a little kid, and uh, I feel like I can still kind of curve the ball both ways out of when I need to, uh, like out of situations. I, it's more fun to do that as well. So for sure. Uh, boys really appreciate it. Gino, thank you for your time. I know you got to go take care of the baby. Joe, when are you playing next? What's your next event? Napa next week. I haven't told Gino we're going. So if someone else wants to caddy, no, uh, Gino, you're, you're not fired yet. So I'll see you in Napa next week. They got good pizza there. Not a lot of beer, but they got great pizza. <laughs> hey, watch <laughs> it. I don't want, I'm going to avoid the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. You got it. Chan, thank you. A big thanks to Joel and Gino for their time. A big thanks to you for listening. If you love this podcast, tell a friend. Send them the send them the episode. Remind them that this exists and that this is fun. And we've got some more fun episodes coming your way very soon, including, of course, all that will happen in and around Ryder Cup week. I will be back on TV next week, Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Golf Channel Corn Ferry Tour Finals back in business so make sure you tune into that me james nitties gary christian for that i will depart hope you guys enjoy the episode and check back with you guys next week